Wait a second. Okay, but let's go there, okay? If we're breaking down the whole Christmas myth or Christmas belief, whatever, um, and we, we've talked about sex and we've talked about love and we've talked about how love can be a beautiful spiritual experience, do you really think Jesus left this earth without having sex? And that's all we have time for tonight. Welcome to Pub Theology Live. This is episode, episode, I can speak, episode 35. It's a weekly conversation on life, faith, over a pint of beer, a glass of wine, a goblet of meat, a cup of water, any libation of your choosing. You can watch us on the YouTubes or on pubtheology.com slash ptlive. Uh, usually Tuesday night, 9 p.m., we're having a special Wednesday recording because our lives are chaos right now. Um, so we've had to move things around. Uh, you can listen to us anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors, sponsors with an S, um, Craft Beer Cellar, the home of premium craft brews. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you and to order your gift cards for Christmas because everybody likes getting beer for Christmas. You can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by joining our conversation or commenting during the week. You can tweet to at PubTheology and use hashtag PTLive or you can comment on Facebook.com backslash PubTheology. And we're also sponsored by Casual Priest, the high-quality collection of functional and comfortable clerical garments if you know someone who is a clergy person who likes to wear the clergy vestments there's a great opportunity to go to casualpriest.com and get them a nice outfit something looking very fetching and you can maybe win a shirt or a bag from casual priest here on pub theology podcast go to their website pick up your favorite thing post about it on their Facebook or Instagram page. Make sure you use the hashtag PTLive and you will be entered to win one of three prizes that will be announced after or December 13th show. So we want to thank uh, Craft Beer Seller and Casual Priest for putting their blind faith in us to represent and promote them. Um, tonight, here's what we're going to be talking about. It's We're heading into the holiday season, so we're going to start talking about whether it's appropriate to be listening to holiday tunes, when it is, um, actually, um, questioning our own beliefs, if they lead to freedom, and if you found out that another religion was really founded in truth and yours maybe not, would you convert to that? Uh, we'll see how that goes. As you may have noticed, uh, the smooth, svelte speaking tones of Brian is not here tonight. Um, we're sending condolences to him and his family. They uh, laid his grandmother, Audrey Berghoff, to rest today. May she rest in peace and um, sending prayers out to the family. But tonight, returning to the show to, of course, stir up some trouble and, yeah, stir up some trouble. Let's leave it at that. Uh, Reverend Shannon Meacham is here again. Uh, so 
Uh, why don't we start with you, Shannon, uh, in case we have some first-time listeners. Tell us a little bit about you and, and what you're drinking. So um, my name's Shannon Meacham. Hello, everyone. I live outside of Baltimore. Um, we joke outside that it's the, uh, the safest part of Baltimore, the suburbs. And uh, I, serve, <laughs> I serve a church in um, Hunt Valley, which is straight north of Baltimore. Um, and I'm a Presbyterian and live here with my partner, Derek, who you guys have met a few times and, um, our four kids and our lives are crazy and a lot of fun and our dog and our cat who are kind of chilling out right now. And the kids might be running in and out. The attempt to go to bed is difficult. It's it's full house, Baltimore edition, Baltimore edition. (laughs) What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a um, Oma Gang, which is in my former neck of the woods when I was in upstate New York. Um, the Abbey Ale Double. It nice. has an angel and a Satan on it. it Perfect. Make a face while they drink beer. It's very scary and delicious. Nice, nice, nice. And as always, Tina, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Um, I am doing awesome. I am drinking a cab tonight. It's a 2012 from Mary Hill which is a local winery and they have a gorgeous outdoor amphitheater that looks over the river. It's really cool. So yeah, um, that's what I'm drinking. I'm Tina and this is the last week to get in on my Kickstarter for Zandrail. Let's so go to Kickstarter. Book. What? Let's make this book happen, people. Let's make the yeah. book happen. Kickstarter.com, keyword Zandrail. And uh, yeah, and there's fun live videos there too. One of them is me and Ogan. How many, how many more, how many more days in the Kickstarter left? Five. There are five. So this is November 30th. You've got five more days. If you listen to this by the fourth, when's the last day? Fifth of December, fourth of December. The fifth. It's Monday. Um, yeah. So if you haven't listened to this for the fifth, head over and uh, chip in a few bucks to help Tina's dream come true. Um, I'll, I'll be going back and making some more contributions. Uh, oh, you rock. <laughs> and I am uh, Reverend Ogan Holder from Unity and the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Tonight, I am beginning to get into the holiday spirit. I am drinking eggnog, of course. It is spiked eggnog, and it is spiked with um, my favorite rum from my home country of Barbados. And it's it's called Mount Gay Rum. Um, my country, ironically... It is still a fairly homophobic society, but it has some really fascinating names of rums like Mount Gay and Coxpur. And I'm not making this up. Seriously, that's the name. I believe you. Yeah. So (laughs) ironies abound. And also part of this is today uh, my home country is celebrating its 50th anniversary of gaining independence from uh, the tyrannical rule of the British. No, not tyrannical. Um, you know, a lot of colonies were given independence in like the 60s and 70s or 71 of them. So 50 years, everybody's home celebrating. So this is my way of joining the celebration, paying homage with some nice. finest rum in the world and some of the oldest rum in the world. Um, the rum distilleries in Barbados are, if not the oldest, among the oldest. So eggnog, is the season. Speaking of the season... That eternal question, when is the right time to start listening to Christmas music? I have some very strong opinions about this, but I'll I'll hear from you all first. Let's Shannon, you being the guest, you weigh in. When's when's the right time? So the moment Thanksgiving dinner ends. 
Wow. Okay. It is okay to turn on Christmas music. <laughs> that last dish gets off the table. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I, I think. No, wait, hang on. When you say dinner, is that the main thing? Is the, that main the, meal. Everybody's the main meal. The main meal. No. So. Main meal. Okay. When I was a kid, um, Thanksgiving was a very big deal. And um, my great grandma would come on her way to Florida for the winter and blah, blah, blah. And like. You know, after dinner, the grown-ups would all sit around and my um, sister and I would go to our room and listen to Christmas music. Like, we didn't have anything else to do and we were so excited. And um, I've, I've modified that slightly because I live with a Grinch that I will wait now until the next day. But the, the Friday after Thanksgiving, 100% acceptable. Absolutely. Good. So, so the tunes are flowing in your in your place. Is what yes, all the I, time. I understand. And and actually, I'm I'm very anti this time of year because I only get like a good six weeks that like I won't listen to anything else. So, are you are you uh, are you uh, listen to the traditional recordings or are you more of the like modern uh, pop hip hop remixed versions? All of the above. Where 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 do you fall? Or is it is it into traditional carols more or like, you know, some of these new contemporary Christmas songs that kind of really have nothing to do with Christmas sometimes. So I, I mean, I like it all. I mean, which is my taste in music anyway. I mean, I, I, I um, music has been such an important part of my life, my whole life that it, it doesn't, there isn't a specific genre. Now there are exceptions, which is I don't like bad music. So <laughs> when <laughs> there's just crap, like people make Christmas crap because it sells and people play it on the radio. And like, I remember um, growing up, one of my favorite Christmas albums was Barbara Streisand's Christmas album. And I was like, she's do like, why did she make her Christmas album? Like, this is insane. And and it's because it sells. It's because it makes tons of money, and it's easy. But it's, it's Barbara Streisand. Who's oh, and her version of Jingle Bells is like nothing you've ever heard. Um, but I, I think that there's a mixture. I I like it when people redo a song, just like I do in regular life. When somebody covers it in an interesting way, I like it. On the other hand, like there's things only Bing Crosby can do and there's things only Sinatra can do. Um, but of course I have my like favorites that I turn to year after year. Um, the first thing we did, we put on in our house was a Motown Christmas. Nice. And that was the first thing that gets put on because Stevie Wonder does Christmas like nobody can do. Exactly. I mean, Stevie Wonder does anything like nobody can do. But I weep. Know. I weep every time I still hear Ave Maria. Like, oh, I'm, like exactly, exactly. And Jackson Five, like, come on. I mean, exactly. As amusing as it is to hear other people sing falsetto like that, it's just not the same. Not, not, not the same. How about you, Tina? When's when's the right time for you? Um, I I have mixed opinions about this. Um, because I think as far as stores are concerned, the stores have no right to play Christmas music until the day after Thanksgiving. Um, personally though, the second I hear it on the radio, I'm playing it. Um, that being said, there are a lot of Christmas songs that annoy me. And by Christmas so time, if, if, what? If, if it starts on the radio before Thanksgiving, you'll listen, yeah. but, but not yeah. in the, but, you, but the 
stores playing it before Thanksgiving is a problem. Yes, because it, that's all about marketing, and that just bothers me that it's, it's about marketing. So complex, but it's about marketing on the radio too. Not if I'm just driving in my car singing. But they know you tune in, and so they can hear the ads. You know, that's that's marketing too. Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. You know, like I don't, I don't want to walk around a store before Thanksgiving and see Christmas decorations. You know what it is? It's it's your control issues. Probably. (laughs) Because in the car, you control. (laughs) How did how did we get into Tina's therapy all of a sudden? (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, because you're you're right. If I can turn a song, if I if I want to turn a song, I can. You're right. Right, exactly. Yeah. In the stores, you don't have a choice. They're, they're playing what they're playing. Now, Ogan, before you give your opinion, can I can I tell you, you my exception? What's your exception? I have several albums that are Advent albums, not Christmas albums. Um, and that I don't think I've ever heard an Advent album. What's an Advent? Well, they're like Advent hymns, or Advent, you know, the the waiting, the preparing, okay. the coming, the. And I start listening to those in early November or, or actually I start listening to those whenever I am planning Advent because oh, get in the mood. In the mood. It get, same thing with Lent. Like if I'm planning Lent in the beginning of January, I'm listening to Lenten music. You've got Lent albums? I do. <laughs> Does Stevie you don't? Wanna do How do you not have these albums? Do, Does Stevie want to do a Lent album? <laughs> I'm burning. I'm making you a mixtape. <laughs> But, but I mean, I think that that's part of music for me is like whatever I'm trying to gear up for, the music is the fastest way to bring me there. Gotcha. So it, I, but Advent music is very different than Christmas music. Advent music is in minor keys. It's slower. It's more contemplative. It's, it's much more um, think about what's really happening and waiting. Hey, you guys know that song by Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You? Yeah. No, never heard of it ever. Nor do I ever Personally, want it's to. One of the ones, don't tell me again. I was going to say, it's one of the ones that annoys me. But there's this guy. Do you remember the name of the guy that does that? There's this guy. You have to look it up on YouTube. But it's, he does it. All I want for Christmas is you. But he does it in a minor key. And it is so creepy when he really? does it. It's like a stalker song. We I mean, were if you listen to the about words. a stalker song the other day. Uh, like some Christmas song. Um, came on the radio and my neighbor was over and we were like describing it as a weird stalkery song. Um, oh, hold on. I'll have to figure out what it is. The, uh, baby, it's cold outside. That's baby, it's cold outside is a date yeah. rape song. Let's not right? pretend. It is, and here's the sad part about it is that it it traditionally has been one of my favorite songs. The uh, the Louis Armstrong version that. Um, uh, uh, there's a remix version of Louis Armstrong's version of Baby's Cold Outside. Yeah. And, and, and I love it. And I was very, I was very saddened a couple of years ago when I kind of made this, this pact with myself. I can't keep listening to this song. Like I throw it in the category of like blurred lines. Like this is, it's like a rapey song. I, it's a, I don't think it's like anything. <laughs> it is a rapey song. Hey, what's in this drink? Like there's literally yeah. like rupees put in her drink. Yeah. Roofies and you can't go home. So the song, I remember the song we were singing the other night as if we did it in a minor key to a stalker was um, 
this year I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. Oh. <laughs> and then we, if you listen to it, like we turned it into this like creeper, like weird, or we then went to like very sad and depressed. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, screw I, you. Like, <laughs> I think somebody needs to make a whole creeper Christmas album. <laughs> I think so too. So if you, I think, I think it was on George Takai's Facebook page. I don't remember, but he had this post about kind of along the lines of what, you know, the key or mode that you put the music in, the font that you write things in, yes. it says the font makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I will, I will love you forever in nice cursive font has a much different meaning than if you put it in like, you know, like Halloween paint script. <laughs> I will love you forever. <laughs> Can I, 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 not to plug, but I, I blog at, at pulpit shenanigans.com if way, anybody wants to way. go there. And I am literally, um, by the end of the week, it should be posted. I am writing a blog post right now called, um, Mary, did you know everything that's wrong with Christ- Christian America? Nice. And it's literally like everything that is wrong with that song is what is wrong with Christian America today. So I think, I check think, for it by the end of the week. I think if we really said, Mary, did you know, Mary would have said, of course I didn't. Otherwise, I probably might not have said yes to all this. No, Mary, did you know? Uh, dude, did you read the first chapter of Luke? Anybody? <laughs> so there's three points. It's patriarchy, yeah. proof texting, and emotional manipulation. So you just Carol- completely ruined it. That's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Nope, sorry. You don't get to have that as your favorite <sighs> Oh, Christmas the show song. is young, honey. We're going we gonna, to we gonna ruin a lot of stuff for you next, mm. next few minutes. <laughs> nope, Tina, I'm sorry. You got to be better than that. What a, uh, you so, know me so, now. <laughs> so the quick answer question for me, um, yes, after Thanksgiving, many times not till December rolls in. Like I was, I was at a happy hour earlier tonight, and they were playing Christmas music in the background mixed in with some other, you know, regular music and i just when i heard the christmas music i was just like oh no i'm not ready for it excuse me burping from the eggnog i'm not ready for it yet um so so for me i gotta get in a more decemberish mood eggnog helps maybe going out starting to get the decorations out of the attic help for me um the the music doesn't always force me into a mood but to back to the point you were making shannon at what point do you find some of these songs again, maybe perpetuating uh, this this Christmas story that you know, as we learn, isn't really based in a whole lot of facts. Maybe mm-hmm. like you know, I for many years I used to preach a sermon that was basically um, taking apart the whole crash scene and the whole Christmas story. Like we are fairly certain that the whole trek from Nazareth to Jerusalem uh, didn't happen. And we're, or if it did, it took months or years, right? Uh, you know, we're we're fairly sure about a lot of things that the whole the whole census that the whole story begins with didn't happen. Like, there's so much elements of that story that when we read it, didn't really happen. Now, does does this take away from how we feel about the nativity narrative? Does it take away from these songs that we sing? Do we do do we feel I don't know like hypocritical almost singing songs that perpetuate a story that we know didn't happen? So that's that's my frustration with Mary. Did you know right? Mary, did you know is not not scripturally accurate in the sense. Um, I mean, 
every every single line of that song is a scriptural reference. I can I can I'll name a few of them, you know, but like calm the seas, yes, he did. Walk on water, yes, he did. You know, allegedly. Well, you know, scripturally <laughs> sound, but it's yeah. scripturally speaking, this happened. I mean, it's in the story. But I think that's that's part of the issue is, you know, ignoring taking one part and making it fit into this larger story, but ignoring a, a complete other part, which is really, really important. And the fact that, you know, one, Mary did know through the whole Magnificat, this song ignores the Magnificat, where Mary, after visiting Elizabeth, cries out in joy and and really does a battle cry for the world this this is the time now is the time justice will come and and it is a beautiful um way of looking at the world and then she is there the whole time in fact one of the references is um at, at the cross in mary did you know and in the john text mary is literally in the story and not just like, oh, we assume she's there. No, Mary looks down, or Jesus looks down from the cross at his mother. Like, <laughs> Mary, did you know, she was freaking right there, which, thank you, mansplainer. I will take this now and move on. But, I mean, all of this starts with Isaiah. And all of this starts with, I mean, the, why did it have to take place in Bethlehem? Because it was the city of David. Why did it have to be a virgin? Because that's what Isaiah said it had to be. Why did, you know, why are these specific parts of the story there? They're there for a historical context yeah. to link it back to the larger story. Yeah. To make it and fit. I said Jerusalem earlier, which shows how much I pay attention to the story these days. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. Actually, he was probably born in Nazareth, not Bethlehem or Jerusalem. Probably. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other. Uh, and for me, this the big question you know there's two really big as a as a as a christian protestant presbyterian pastor um i the biggest wrestling that happens in my congregation um is usually around christmas and easter mm -hmm. and it's the the parts that the cultural feeling the nostalgia of the beautiful day or the beautiful night and holding my candle and singing silent night in the dark church is way more important to me than actually asking the question, do I really believe this? Right. Is this really true. Okay. But, but maybe at that point, it's not about the facts. It's about the comfort of tradition. Um, and it's the feeling that it invokes to do that because I don't believe the whole Christmas story, but I love standing in a church at midnight with my candle singing Silent Night. And, so, and I do too. I don't mean to say that I don't. And I do it and I lead it and I have for 15 years. So at what point then do we have that um, sacred or spiritual versus secular Christmas idea and 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 the blurring between the two because i mean i'm if 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 we are saying that for us the tradition is the traditions around the holidays or what are more meaningful than 
the 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 story itself and relying on the story's factual basis have we crossed over into more secularization or does the it's the, the traditions around the holidays that make it sacred and the facts really don't matter because that's something we're seeing in our country a lot right now facts, facts, <laughs> facts don't, don't matter, matter. wait facts, what what are you talking matter. about what could you possibly so, be talking about? <laughs> so at what point you know and and this is one of the, this is one of the questions we we had to discuss like at what point when we when we realized the the quote-unquote facts or the things we thought were facts around the story upon which we based our belief system are actually not true you know at what point does if it does the belief system implode can we still have the belief system outside of the facts of the story do the facts of the story matter because i because one of the one of the things i always say is when we you know we have this idyllic picture of jesus being born in the stable and the hay and the animals and so on i'm like come on if anyone's ever witnessed childbirth not <laughs> idyllic you know you're in a smelly stinky stable because you, you can't get a decent bed in the place like there's there's nothing picturesque or even enviable about that whole setup but yet we we kind of hold it out there as like one of these holy of holy moments i know it's about to convey the the, the humility of of the event of someone who would go on to be who he became but but yeah for me for me uh, i remember going through a few years where i'm like this kind of never happened what's the point so i I I never really I got over that stage very quickly, I guess, and um, less so with the resurrection story than the Easter story, um, and I think that for a lot of reasons, one of my biggest frustrations with Christmas is we do put it in this idyllic stage. We do put it in this picturesque, and and we ignore the fact that a very young woman so anyway the, the the bigger fact is can we do both can can faith hold both belief and fact intention so fact is that for historical purposes matthew needed to name bethlehem Matthew needed to name as the as the the place where he was born, the city of David that was very important to the culture of the Jewish people. Um, can we state that historically it needed to be a virgin? But let's look at the fact of that word of what that meant. Of it meant a young unmarried woman, which right. Mary could have easily have been, and and once you were engaged it was not unlikely that you would go and move into his parents' house or he would come and move into her house. They would start living together. So also not unlikely that they would have sex in the process. So now the, the I'm also not Catholic where the doctrine of virginity is extremely important that Christ had to be absolutely pure and part of the reason why I'm not Catholic anymore is because I don't see sex as evil or bad. And I don't see it well, as it be a, bad sex, let's be clear. Okay, be bad, bad sex is bad, bad sex, sex. Like, period. <laughs> okay, bad sex is evil and impure. <laughs> well, we go downhill without Brian, don't we? <laughs> no, 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 but seriously, it really is. But like, you know, 
There, there Just is a, Come on. What is more holy and beautiful than good sex? Than good sex between two people. Right. Now again, two like young people that don't know what they're doing. They may not have been good, but something beautiful and holy comes out of that. And 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 I mean, I know that this is hard when we talk about um, raising a child, carrying a child, doing all of that. And, and it's hard for people this time of year that can't, haven't been able to do that. I had some trouble with fertility, but once I, I got pregnant and, and there, the, this story became so much more alive to me mm-hmm. as this baby grew and, and the importance of that, of waiting for a child, of, of waiting for this miracle to be born. Um, and, and I also kind of reconcile this whole fact and belief thing with the idea that we all live with God within us. Now, how much did Jesus tap into that in a way that, that the rest of us are still hoping and trying to do? Right. Um, and, and I believe in a doctrine that believes that he is fully God and fully human. And right. I get to believe in that and also say, you know, um, I don't believe in the virgin birth. And yet I wrestle with that and I tell that story and I say that story um, saying, I look at virgin in the historical context. What did it mean in Isaiah's time? And what did it mean in Matthew's time or Luke's time? And, and I agree with what you said earlier. Faith, faith is perhaps the only thing that can hold, you know, the belief and the facts or non-facts in that in that tension that allows us to take it all in and say knowing what we know now about biblical scholarship and about history and all that um yeah we can be we can say the story likely didn't happen as it was written and described but that doesn't mean that the the meaning inspiration that we derive from the story is also pointless right so what is the inspiration then if it's not the savior being born if it's not a virgin birth, what is the inspiration of the story? That uh, if you if you knock up a young woman, you better marry her. <laughs> that's that's what. No, uh, <laughs> I, well, uh, Tina, I don't. Uh, maybe I I I do believe that it is the savior being born. Um, I I do believe that that is the point of the tr- the story that. Well, here's what maybe more than the savior, which I mean that. Although I use that language, that language still makes me twitchy from evangelical days. But like the <laughs> the God, the God with us, the God incarnate, twitching, I'm twitching, I'm twitching. The God incarnate being born. Um, I often, often pray. God loved us. I mean, it's a re, it's a retelling of John three sixteen, right? Like God loved us so much that God came to earth to know us better. Like God came to earth to experience exactly what we experience in the way that we experience from the moment of birth. And that to me is very important in the story that, I mean, I cry every year. Um, just, we just sang it last week. I know people wait till fourth Advent, but we, we sang um, people look East and and 
love the bird is on the way, love the guest is on the way, love the Christ is on the way. And, and love incarnate is on the way. And like, that is the most hopeful thing you could ever say to me, ever. The, the fact that in, in our language of the Christmas story, love and God are interchangeable words. Mm-hmm. They, they are. And I would, and so my response to that is God didn't have to come down and incarnate on earth because God's always here everywhere present. Um, for me, for me, the inspiration of that story is um, from the humblest and the most poverty-stricken of beginnings. Like you don't, you don't get more humble and poverty-stricken than you have your delivery in a place that keeps animals. Like it don't, it don't get much lower than that. But from that place, here comes this man who is able to arguably live the fullness of the divinity that is in him, that is in all of us to, and then do the things that he did to the point where, you know, 2000 years later, it's like the world's major religions. We're still talking and arguing and, and it's evolving, you know? So for me, the hope is if that's happening to this person back then, like, what's my excuse? Like I wasn't born on a dirt floor you know, and that 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 divinity that he possessed is also within me. So I am capable of that. I have that same potential. We all do. So to use his life from the very beginning till the very end and beyond, um, as as that that map, that inspiration for me. To, so yeah. So in Unity, we don't use the word savior for Jesus. We use the term wayshower. Um, so. That's so. That's why I can still reconnect with the uh, with the holiday story and and poke fun at it, and it still be something something in many ways uh, sacred for me. I think there's um, two very different kinds of Christians in that aspect. That um, there are many different kinds of Christians. I know, I know. But, let's start but with this, Let's focus on this aspect, um, <laughs> like where you know they really focus on his birth the miracle of his birth and they really focus on his death, but they don't necessarily focus on the way shower part as much. And I think it's those people that if you said without a doubt, you factually proved that Mary wasn't a virgin in the way we think about it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus really didn't rise from the cross in the way we think, you know, that he physically rose that those people would have a serious crisis of faith. Whereas the way shower people would be like, okay, I can still be like him. I can still, mo- you know, model his behavior and, and his, you know, the, the essence of God and his patience. You know what I mean? Right. That's a, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned those. So, so we got this question with these two quotes that I love. There's a Mark Twain quote that says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And then we have this this Tolstoy, Leo Tolstoy. The most difficult subjects can be explained to the most slow-witted man if he's not formed any idea of them already. But the simplest thing cannot be made clear to the most intelligent man if he's firmly persuaded that he knows already without a shadow of a doubt what is laid before him. And I think that's the point you're you're trying to illustrate here that for some people, it is difficult and challenging, almost near impossible to embrace another 
idea because that idea, that quote unquote fact, is the foundation of their belief system. So for for some Christians, the foundation of their belief is that yes, Jesus is was God come down to earth, born in these humble beginnings, died on a cross for sins. And both of those things literally happened. The virgin birth, the death, the resurrection. They literally happened. They are the and because they literally happened, they're the foundational um, um, events through which Christian on which Christianity rests and the belief system rests. And for a lot of people, including myself, when they come face to face with the question of maybe these things didn't literally happen as described in the Bible, then what does that do to my belief system? And it can send some of us into crisis of faith. Um, and, you know, some of us run away from church and Christianity. Some of us um, are able to say, no, I'm still okay with where I am. Some of us find an alternative, but somewhat like Christian experience, AKA unity or, you know, Unitarian universalism. We kind of skate on the outskirts there, but, um, but yeah. So I think, I think it's all about what, how are you willing to let new information alter what you believe and what it does. And it's not fun. It's not, it's not easy. It's, it's very traumatic for a lot of people to go through that. Uh, we lost you. We lost your uh, sound there, Shannon. Did you? Did you? Make Sorry, I hit the mute button because it's raining really hard. Um, I've never really understood the people where it's completely traumatic. I, I and and I say that being when I think I first found out the quote unquote facts of the case of the virgin birth and all of that. Um, it was less of a surprise and more of a relief that it was it was more humane human and less miraculous and i don't mean that in a way that god is not miraculous but i mean that in the way that jesus's life and action and teaching was miraculous enough mm -hmm. that i don't need it to be the virgin birth i don't need it to be um I, I struggle so much with um, the idea that, and again, not to bring this up again, but when you're talking about Christmas, I struggle so much with the idea that virginity and purity is linked to the holiness of Christ. And, and I see the holiness of Christ having nothing to do with the virginity of Mary. Um, well, well, if, if you, if you, subscribe to the idea that sin is inherited and and therefore yeah. the only way he could be as holy as he was and sinless was that he you know there was there was no man involved therefore he did not inherit which again is really the argument human. that the man was the problem in eden and not eve but whatever so anyway the we men we are the problem I'll we say, don't need to skim over that men <laughs> and the snake are the problem let's not pretend the that the snake isn't symbolic <laughs> the snake was not a metaphor <laughs> let's right. let's not pretend that that's not all happening right there in the story there no i i think for me i can read with beauty the the idea that um mary conceived under um difficult circumstances whatever they may be, 
Um, I don't, I don't understand, nor do I ever really want to the whole, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, which don't even get me started with the language there. But I just, I really am like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't really care. Um, it, it comes down to me to, this does not change the way I feel about Jesus. This does not change the way he influenced my life and his action of life and the way that he treated people and the way that he showed me to live. Um, whether Mary was a virgin or not, the fact of that word, the fact of whatever happened, not that we can ever truly know, um, doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I believe in a God that can do all things. And if I believe in a God that can do all things, then I can stand up on Christmas Eve and read that story with all integrity and, and not shy away from it. Well, Shannon, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you were talking about, um, you know, like you, you can still believe all that, you know, your relationship with Jesus. But if, if people, there's, I think there's a certain doctrine out there that if, if Jesus is human, then we're accountable for acting more like him. But if we hold him up here, that mm -hmm. he's not human, he's a God. Well, we could never aspire to be like that, you know, so like we don't have to be accountable for our actions as much. You know, we can still believe in a God and a devil and they're battling over me and they're responsible for my actions. I'm not, you know what I mean? And the devil made me do it when I sin and God was with me when I did something right. Yeah. 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 So, Maybe it was the angel who was the original singer of the baby at school upside to Mary. And that's, right? That's no, exactly. Spirit. That's how he was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> didn't sound like Mary really had a saying what was going to be happening. Hey, what's in this drink? <laughs> um, but <laughs> to, to touch a little bit on. Um, oh, God. That, that, that is. No <laughs> to the, the thing you said about uh, people in shock. Um, briefly, I'll speak to my experience, which was growing up with um, a literal belief in these things actually happening and then being foundational to the whole thing and being connected. So, so when I found out, you know, did my first foray or experience of biblical scholarship and discovered more of the facts or the lack of facts, it was it was like a game of Jenga where one piece came out and then another piece came out because all these pieces were connected and pieces are flying everywhere. And next thing I know, the whole, the whole thing implodes upon itself because if this isn't, if this piece isn't true, then is this piece true? And if that's not true, then is this true? And then it makes you, it made me, I'll say question absolutely everything. If, if it turns out that this this piece when I discovered the you know New Testament authorship and right. and like if that's not true, how can I trust that any of it is? Um, but but like Shannon said, how freeing is that that you are no longer bound by all those doctrines I mean, I got, and you get to rebuild. I got there eventually. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get it. It rocks your world. I, I think I've I mean I think I've been a a, a questioner from the beginning, right? Like right. I think from the very beginning I've been really? Yeah. Hmm. 
but it's like you're in a prison. It's like you're in a prison cell. You don't realize you're in a prison cell, but you're in a prison cell. Oh no, I drank the Kool Aid like at one point. Right, sure. (laughs) This earthquake. Talk about biblical stories. The earthquake happens that sets you free. But the earthquake was pretty traumatic in and of itself. It right. wasn't earthquake. And, and notice Paul decided to stay in his cell. There's that too. <laughs> right. All right. I won't go off on Paul again this time, I promise. But... Or do. Uh, no. You know, but... Did you not listen to the last episode when she did? It was no. it wasn't even the episode. You guys, you have to go back, whatever episode that was, Olga will tell you later. And and re like listen to the after party. Because right. I totally ripped Paul a new one. I just kind of lost it. I got in trouble for ripping apart David. Oh, oh no, David! David gets to be ripped apart too. Yeah, David had lots. Don't get me started on Solomon. Uh, there you go. Oh, he's my favorite. We have oh. to talk. All right. Well, I already ruined time. Mary. Did you know? So I'll leave Solomon <laughs> alone for the time. Just for today. <laughs> We've got a lot of episodes coming up. Let's not <laughs> pull the rug out under for everything. No, today. I mean I yeah. think it's important. I I don't mean to say that people whose you know, kind of Jenga tower gets demolished by finding mm-hmm. out these historical references and whatever. It's, it's that, you know, that your Jenga tower wasn't really stable to begin with. And so, well, it's a Jenga tower. Yes. Yeah, you know, like I, when that happens, um, when people talk to me about not coming to church or not being Christian because of things like the virgin birth, because of things like the bodily resurrection, then I said, then, you know, my comment back to them is then you and I need to really talk because mm-hmm. that is actually not what my, the foundation of my faith is built on. You know, the foundation of my faith is built on um, love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And, and Jesus is, you know, repetition of that repetition, repeat, whatever words um, of that. <laughs> And, and that is what the foundation of God is love is built on to me. And, and everything else in this Christian story gets, gets built on that foundation. So if, if yours is built on the, the absolute factual representation of the virgin birth, right. the absolute factual representation of this is exactly how this happened, literally and verbatim, then I want, I want that tower to fall for you. But I truly pray and hope that someone like one of us is around to help you during that crisis and during that process. But the, but the, the tearing down of that tower is not necessarily a bad thing for people. No, I don't think it is. I think it, I think it's a great thing. And, and, you know, what often happens when a tower gets, you know, demolished that way is we just build another one and then that gets demolished too and eventually we kind of get to this point where we realize how about we stop building towers less right <laughs> you know i mean i i i have a i have a really good friend um trip hudgens who does lots and lots of different things but trip god love him and i love you trip so much he is my brother um trip is in an existential crisis on a daily, if not weekly basis. He just, he's one of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he, he once asked me in a, in a series of multiple text messages, like, what's the point of it all? Why are we all here? Blah, blah, you know, who is God? And, you know, okay, well, that's what I do to you all the time. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, it's just like, ah, 
here for the eggnog and good sex. That's <laughs> exactly. That's why we're here. I, I'm actually the fullness of life. Show hey, title right there. We're here for the eggnog and the good sex. Eggnog Cheers good to their. Hey, there's your closer. Uh, <laughs> that's only your seasonal. Closing phrase. That's only seasonal. I can't be throwing out the eggnog closer in like March. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Shannon. Sorry. Anyway, my point, my 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 response simply back to him was, "God is love." And he said, really? It's that simple? And I said, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, the I nuances of that are infinite. Infinite. But God is love. That is, that is the response. That is the only response I have to you. And if your Jenga tower is, I, I, sorry, I will stop because I think this is my soapbox I got on last time I was on this show. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's okay because you're right. And and don't confuse a concept, God is love, a simple concept, with one that's easy to live in every day, in every moment. Yeah. And that's that's the challenge. And when we look at, at Jesus' teachings and his actions, they were all pretty much about that, demonstrating and talking about how do we live love in our everyday moments. You know, that's why, again, my, my favorite Jesus response to anything, what is the most important commandment? And if you can boil... If he boiled down all those like really crazy, obscure, and I don't mean crazy and obscure, but those really um, 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 everything in Leviticus, numbers, all these uh, all exactly really minute laws and ways of living that did serve a purpose and everything else and boil it down to love God with whole heart and soul, love your neighbors yourself. Like everything is, everything is ultimately created towards doing that. And so that's the thread. That's the question, right? That's the eye of the needle. Um, that if Mary's virgin birth is representative in some way that God is love, which it is, that Mary's birth of Christ is representative that God is love because it, it, birth is nothing but an expression of creation and life and love and chaos because love is chaotic and mm-hmm. messy and difficult and and smelly oh, sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> whatever. Smelly. Wait, what? The love is smelly? You're not doing it right if it's smelly. Mm, love is smelly sometimes when your partner is depressed and hasn't showered for three days and you love them anyway. Love is smelly oh sometimes. Wait a second. Okay, but let's go there, okay? If we're breaking down the whole Christmas myth or Christmas belief, whatever, um, and we, we've talked about sex and we've talked about love and we've talked about how love can be a beautiful spiritual experience do you really think jesus left this earth without having sex and that's all we have time for tonight Thank you for <laughs> why you want to bring that up now come on it, it's kind of wrapping everything we've been talking about together i'm just saying somebody had to say it so here's the simple thing tina right like i don't care i just don't care and in fact, if he didn't, I feel bad for him. Yeah, like, really. I mean, no, in all honesty, like yeah, I, it's again, a this goes experience. back to the sex's purity issue. Right. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care if Christ had sex or not. As long as it's consensual, then I'm fine. There you, you know, go. like, I like it. That's all reality to me. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't affect 
who I believe he was and the amazing things that he did. And, you know, if he came to earth and missed out on that experience, then God really duped him on that one. You know, that's, that's my yeah, opinion. If, yeah. If God wanted to experience being human, how hey, else, you know, <laughs> if he was, if he was having, if he was having a physical outlet in that way, that whole scene at the temple of the money changers might've gone a lot differently. I think it was like, some <laughs> that, was, that was coming out. Well, I do use this example all the time of Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman mm. where, you know, it, Part, the most human moment of Jesus for me is not the temple. It's when he's with the Syrophoenician woman. And when he says, what is your problem? Your daughter and you are dogs. You're worse than dogs. You don't, dogs get the crumbs of the table and I'm not giving you anything. I didn't come here for you. And then she came back and she said, no, no, that is not okay. You do not treat me this way. And he stepped back and said, oh my God, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. And that to me is the influence of the world that the world had on Jesus, that he got so wrapped up in, I didn't come here for you. I'm so exhausted. I got enough with these people. These people are driving me crazy. I'm just leave me alone. And she said, no, I will not be left alone. He was a proudest time, place and culture. And, and one of the things get me on my soapbox. One of the things that constantly irritates me is, when people try to save Jesus by saying, oh, yeah, he knew all along what he was saying and kind of setting her up and testing her to see if her faith was going to be strong enough to walk through that rebuke. I'm saying, no, I don't think that was it That's at bullshit. all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just bullshit. And, and God learns, right? God learns after Noah. Mm -hmm. The flood comes and God says, ooh, my bad. That probably wasn't like the best way I could have done that. Right. I promise. Okay. Here's what I'll do. I promise never to flood the earth again. Like I promise never to do that. I mean, this is what covenants are for. This is the learning curve of God. I mean, I'm a progressive theologian and that God learns through this process too. Right. I, I mean, I also believe that I, I mean, I do, I believe in God and I believe that God lives in a time and space that is completely different than our own. Absolutely. And, and I live in that, you know, we are but a, we are but a moment in time, a flickering moment in the, the, the time that God exists, right? Yeah. So this is but a moment of Christ where he says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and no more does Christ learning from his experience change my view of God it doesn't change it negatively. It changes it in a, in a beautiful blossoming growth. And, oh, ugh, he was perfect until death. Uh, what is perfection then? Because look at the things that he did. And you know what? That's truly a God I can follow. Like, I can't follow this absolutely lily white purity in the sense of virginity way that I can follow this guy that made a couple mistakes but was beautiful till the end and loved until the end and took care of the people till the end. I can follow that guy. That guy I can get behind. Curse that poor fig tree for just standing there. Like we all haven't been hangry in our day. Come on. I mean, seriously, I would have. I'm saying. All right. So uh, we got a few minutes left. A um, little bit of a segue um, to this question. Uh, church on Sunday, Christmas morning or not? So we find ourselves 
in this situation where Christmas uh, Day is happening on a Sunday. I know there are many churches all over the place that regardless of what day Christmas falls on, they're doing they're doing like sometimes a sunrise Christmas service or Christmas in some point in time uh, service on Christmas Day. There Who's other doing t- a Christmas sunrise service? And why are you friends with these people? Hey, <laughs> You'd, you'd be. I, I think that might be another Catholic thing. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but even but back in Barbados, uh, that's what a lot of churches do, both a Christmas Eve and then you come back like four or five hours later to do uh, a sunrise service because apparently you know I don't know Jesus was born at so, dawn. So Ooh. we're we're doing we're doing service on Christmas. I I truly anticipate five people being there, and I'm doing a couple of songs. And I'm going to read a pretty story and it's going to be nostalgic and, and nice and whatever. And, and I don't want to do it because no pastor in their right mind wants to show up on Christmas morning after they've done, we do this two one, services. This one isn't. <laughs> yeah. You're not showing up. No, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing think, a Christmas day service. I mean, I'm, this is when the areas where the longer I'm a minister, the more lenient I'm becoming, mm-hmm. but I can't, I just can't in my good conscience cancel service on a Sunday morning. Like, what? I just say can't. A little, say a little bit about that in your conscience. Like, I don't, it, like, <laughs> for me, when someone says I can't in good conscience, there's that implication that it's wrong to do this. It's, it, it I mean, it, so wait, is it because it it's is. Sunday? <laughs> is it because it's, it's Sunday? And it's because it's person? Sunday. It's because it's Sunday, and this is the day that we have set aside, rightly or wrongly, it should be Saturday or even Friday night as the Lord's Day, speaking of historical references that we're getting wrong. Like, (laughs) it is set aside as the Lord's Day in the Christian church, and we need to show up. We need to have the doors open. Um, we also on a different level, like, yes, it's a family day. Yes. It's all of those things, but what happens to the people that don't have family and are we not the family of the church and are we not supposed to be there? Oh, that's a good point. Then why aren't you having service every day? Um, because it's a consistency thing. Exactly. Because once a week is is what we've deemed right. necessary but, and right but, and holy but here's but no, the logic. we've replaced that once a week sunday this year with saturday night christmas eve the night before because we're not usually doing service on saturday night but we've doing- also replaced it on friday night and thursday night and wednesday night and tuesday night and monday night when christmas eve is on those nights so or, or next say, year you know, which is actually the big thorn in my side is which what? is when Christmas Eve is on Sunday, and I do two services in the morning and two services in the evening. Yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. You that were going to say something there, Tina. Um. No, it's the like, it's the consistency of it. It's every, especially for people that are very into routine. Um, it's that's what they do on a Sunday morning, and it kind of shakes them up and throws them off a little bit. Like we we on Thursday nights go help out um, at a church that serves a full sit down meal, um, hot meal to anyone who wants. And they do it every Thursday. If Christmas falls on Thursday, you bet your ass that meal is going to be there because that's what happens on a Thursday. And those people come to that. That's, that's their community. That's what they do. And 
I agree with Shannon. I think it kind of throws people off if you're going to shake up their routine. Some people are routine people and they need it. I'm not. I'm not a routine person. (laughs) (laughs) You won't see my ass. I don't want to go to service on Christmas morning any more than I want to go to service on any Sunday morning because I'm, a, I'm not a morning You're person. You're a minister. <laughs> but I'm not a morning person. Like, hey, don't, don't judge us. You walk a mile in our shoes before you judge us. Thank you. We much. had service every Sunday at 5 p.m. I would be the happiest girl on the planet. I just oh, would. Oh, um, my goodness. On but, that note, on, wait, you know what? Go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. All, all I was going to say is, you know, this year, Christmas Eve is Saturday. It's the last Saturday of the um, – or the fourth Saturday of the month, which is our year to serve at the homeless shelter and, or the domestic violence shelter downtown Baltimore. We will be there. We will be there. We will lose half the congregation to the 5 p.m. service for serving food down there. And that is fine. We will do it. We don't change our services on Christmas Eve when it falls on a Saturday because it's also our commitment at the shelter we will not change our Sunday morning services. We will go down to one. We won't have Sunday school, but we will figure it out because it's what we do. And maybe that's not good enough for Olgan, but it's yeah. good <laughs> enough for Jesus. And that's good enough for good me. Good enough for Jesus, not Olgan. <laughs> you think he was in synagogue hey, every Friday? I phrase, don't know. Good night if it's good enough for Jesus. There you go. <laughs> On that note, we're going we gonna to wrap this up. I, we, we're going to continue this in the post because I got... I got some more questions for you, <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you for downloading and listening to this, to the audio version. If this isn't what you're listening to um, spread the word about us, uh, you can listen anytime. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. If you want to create or find a live pub theology gathering in your town, head over to pubtheology.com slash directory. And also a special thank you again to our sponsors, craft beer seller, Go get some gift cards for some people. Casual priest, go check out uh, their stuff. Leave their posts. Use the hashtag PT Live. Uh, and I think um, from when are we doing our last show for the year? Is it next week? Is it next week? I think it's the thirteenth. I think thirteenth. Uh, so I think we got maybe two more shows, and then we take a little uh, break for the holidays, and then we'll be back in the new year. So. Um, what wait, wait did we find out a, a catchy closing line um bottom bottoms up keep your pants on if it's on. good enough for jesus it's good <laughs> enough for us <laughs> there you go amen <laughs> have a good night folks thanks for listening bye bye <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, okay. So if this is the only, so when I I grew up in the South, right? So Wednesday oh, that, night that explains and, it all. It explains it all. <laughs> Wednesday night, Sunday morning were church times. <laughs> so these are your times to take as 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 a church. We have to take advantage of the fact that these are our times. Now, um, I then moved to New York where no time was our time. And then back down to Baltimore where mm, maybe an hour sun on Sunday is our time. Mm -hmm. And I can maybe capitalize on that because you're already here that I could extend it to another hour for Sunday school and maybe another hour for a meeting. Um, but I, there's, <clears throat> we're losing slowly, we're, and maybe not so slowly, but we're losing any capital we had as a church that, that Sunday night is youth group night, Wednesday night is, you know, whatever night. Um, Here's my issue with that, though. My issue with that is there come, for me, and this, this has not just been my experience, but other people's experience, there comes a point when the effort to honor that we do we do it on this day or this night because this is what we do and hold that open can can create resentments i know that there's not a lot of happy there's not going to be a lot of happy people on the staff or or volunteers if we tell them you got to come in here on christmas day to put on a service that you're right will maybe for likely be for a very reduced size congregation because it's just what we do. We're asking people to, to yes, sacrifice time with their families, their own traditions that they have at home. And some may be willing to do this. Some may not, but I don't, for me, it's more important that I don't, um, create a situation where resentments may arise around making a service happen simply because it's Sunday morning. This is what we always do. My okay, so put the accountability on the congregation then. Like, right. why should volunteers have to come? It's if you're you want this to happen, you're going to volunteer to help out. So yeah, so either you're going to show up. But two, I mean, my response to that is, this is the gig I signed up for. I mean, not really. I was called to and come kicking and screaming to. But right. like, this happens once every five or six years. And this is part of the job. This is the deal. This is... Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the, it happens once every five or six years. So that's why it's okay for me to say... Come, come, come join us on the night before. Have that experience of spiritual community and connecting. Because here's the thing. Yes, for some people, this is the Sunday morning is the opportunity for them to connect, even probably more so heartfelt because it's Christmas Day and church members might be their only family. And they're probably going to be just as, just as lonely the day after or the day before Christmas Eve when we're not doing anything. For me, at some point, the bigger question for me again is, given what it takes for us to make a service happen, even a small service, I can't do it all by myself. I need other people to be to be there making it happen with me. Um, but I don't want people to 
to feel like, and maybe this is me projecting my own stuff, but we did talk about it at my church and, and the vast, the board, the staff, other volunteers, the vast majority of people we talked to were like, Oh no, we're, we're good with not having church on Christmas day. We want to be home with our families. We want to be home doing our own traditions. We recognize the value. But but listen to what the idol is at that point. What's your highest priority then? What's your, the the, the tradition of Christmas morning of running down, opening presents, drinking, um, whiskey, and rum filled whiskey, eggnog Um, from the South. You have bourbon in your eggnog, not rum rum. and whiskey in the eggnog is actually the best combination. I mean, first off, let's be honest. People show up to Christmas Eve drunk. Let's just put that out there. (laughs) Second off, like you can show up to Christmas morning drunk also. Yes, you can. Third, like, I mean, that's that's the thing. The family Christmas, just that we were talking about with the nativity scene, becomes the idol on Christmas morning. It becomes the most important thing. So and do, So does it boil down to which idol we're choosing? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, uh, like, I honestly don't care whether you have Christmas service. Oh, I know. That morning or not. I mean, this isn't, this is about in all integrity, mm-hmm. I can't cancel because I don't want to. And sure. because, I mean, I could make the same argument with Christmas or New Year's Day, which is also on a Sunday because it's a week later, yep. that nobody's going to be there. Well, if I canceled a service every time nobody was going to be there because there's a Ravens game on or because. <laughs> You know, there's oh, a, a I feel you. Seven Patriots country. I feel you. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Then I'm screwed. And right. so, I mean, I think part of the representation is, and 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 this is way too theological and out of my comfort zone to say, but like the the honor and the re- representation is God is always here. And mm-hmm. Sunday morning is our time to worship and to recognize that we will always be here. And, yeah. and that's good enough for me. And, and again, it's just something I've reconciled myself to personally to say, yeah, I'll be there Christmas morning. 